The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora koutou, no my haere mai ki dietary requirements, the spin-off's food podcast. Each month we get together to eat and drink delicious things and chat with the buzziest people in New Zealand food. However, this month getting together is just not possible. We're all locked in our bubbles, desperately missing cafes, restaurants, bars and takeaways, but doing our bit to stop the spread of COVID-19. I'm your host, Simon Day, and always I'm joined by the spin-off's food editor, Alice Neville. Kia ora, Alice. Kia ora. Hospitality tycoon, Sophie Gilmore. <laughs> Kia ora, Simon. Hi, Sophie. Tycoon today, is outrageous. Today, our guest is Al Keating, CEO of Coffee Supreme. Kia ora, Al. Kia ora, the spin-off. Thank you Welcome. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Before we go any further, I'd like to acknowledge our wonderful sponsors because without them, we wouldn't be here. Freedom Farms makes all the spin-offs food coverage, including dietary requirements, possible. And they believe that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how those animals have been raised. They're dedicated to providing you with the best pork, free-range air and free-range eggs. And they're also dedicated to the spin-offs unique coverage of the New Zealand food scene. So show your gratitude to them and buy their delicious products. And I wanted to quickly share a bacon story from lockdown. Uh, my <laughs> neighbours are 25-year-old bogans who don't pay a lot of attention to uh, the world around them. And on Good Friday, one of the boys went up to the supermarket for some lunch. He returned home and I could hear over the fence that he was furious and empty-handed. He yelled, <laughs> very loud, easy for my wife and I to hear, Jacinda's decided to close the fucking supermarkets. It's just one more thing to add to the list of reasons I hate her. All I wanted to was to eat some bacon. And so I think it's a clear example of how powerful uh, bacon is when that umami flavor can at least create one change, vote for change of government. So power to bacon. Yeah, nice. I'm afraid that's Jesus' fault though, mate. I think technically it would be the Romans' fault for killing him on Good Friday. Mm, Good point, yeah. Blame them. So I don't think Jacinda had all that much to do with uh, the death of the Son of God. Also, should he be going to the supermarket just for bacon? (laughs) I think we're being told that that's not the jam. That's not the idea, no. I'm having real trouble with the supermarket. I was going almost every day uh, in the first week. (laughs) That is I'm, not okay, Simon. I know, but Simon! I'm prone to forgetting things. I'm really prone to forgetting things. And that cultural change that was required was slow for me to respond to. Mm. Like I'd still forget the fresh coriander and I'd have to go back the next day to get the coriander. and I'd, I'd get some you know, dishwashing <laughs> fresh liquid. I'd go get back. some dishwashing liquid and some coffee and then I'd forget the milk. And I have to go, you know, so it was just this bad cycle of my natural personality and it meant I was uh, not locking down well so I started doing things like taking a list and checking it twice 
and we, we got there. I haven't been to the supermarket for five days. Were you walking to the supermarket? No, I was driving. Oh, Annie's driving. Oh, my mm. God. Someone call that number, 105. Is that, is that all it is, 105? That's how you dial other people in. Uh, I could have made that up, but I think that's it. Friday bacon shoppers. Yeah. How then. is everyone, though? How is lockdown going? Are you okay? Um, yeah. I hate lockdown. Do you? But I'm okay. Yeah, yes. I hate it. Why? I'm so... Because it sucks. You can't do anything. It's and boring. Biggest, tell us about the biggest pain of lockdown. Oh, my else. God. Well, at the risk of sounding like a wanker, I really miss cafe coffee. I really, mm. really, 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 really want a flat white. Do you know <laughs> what I find hilarious about that is that, A, you're not on your own. But mm. I panic bought an espresso machine <laughs> and I yeah. was really fucking aware of the privilege of the situation and I was really embarrassed as a result. But on the last day, in the last hour when we were allowed out, I went to Westfield 277, like yeah. one of the worst places in the world. Then <laughs> I went and I went into farmers and a couple of my girlfriends on a WhatsApp group live on farms and so they make coffee at home. So there's been quite a lot of sort of like the best machine for home sort of chat on there lately. Anyway, I was like, send me the machine, went to farmers. It was, I think, $1,200 and I was like, that's a bit extreme. One of them I remembered said it was always on sale. So then I went upstairs to Noel Leeming. They wouldn't sell me the... Um, the display one. I was almost like, just give me the machine. Anyway, he said no. So then the guy walks away and I said, well, what are we going to do then? And he said, oh, this one in Queen Street came back and said, I can put the sale through for you now, but you have to get to Queen Street in the next 15 <laughs> minutes. Oh my and God. so then I'm in the car, like literally racing to no leaming on Queen Street to buy an espresso machine. That's basically all I did on the last day. So how many times have you used it? Oh, Every single day, for sure. Is it? Right. I, I think it's. I think it's the reason that I'm enjoying lockdown. Is that um, you know, it's the rituals and the habits that we um, go without that make us start to feel crazy, and I'm not going without it. But mm. I just don't trust it would be as good because I've never had home espresso machine coffee that's as good as cafe stuff. Yeah, yeah. I how, think it's pretty good. How much skill, Al, is involved in? making a coffee uh, from the proper machine? Because I think baristas are one of those professions that are under-recognized for the skill that's involved. Yes. Uh, it's a good question, and I guess I get asked this a bit, but I'm certainly not the most qualified to answer. Um, <clears throat> although in saying that, I've definitely done my time on a machine and spent years on a machine and loved every minute of it. Yes, it is a skill that's underrated and there are many, many ways to fuck it up. And I think that is probably the, the, the part that's kind of overlooked. Um, you've got all of these ingredients which are in themselves quite have a lot of variables and you have to coordinate them all into one place. Uh, and so, yes, it is a lot of skill and there's tons of variables that can change the outcome so it's managing all of those moving parts and, and i don't I, I don't feel like that should be that surprising to people you know the fact that you're saying that is no. um and in in such a way that people understand it is because people don't understand that coffee's a recipe like they think it's this random thing that you mix with water and it's all good it's like of course yes. not you've got to get so many variables right to get it right and you know things like adjusting the grind i guess if i hadn't worked in mm -hmm. hospitality i wouldn't feel confident doing it at home but um sure. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And you see the barista standing behind this metal box and you're not really sure what they're doing. They might just be pressing a button and waiting for mm. the juice to come out. And so I guess that's the perception often of the punter standing on the other side. And that's people who will, you know, 30 seconds after ordering, despite seeing that the cafe is filled with people who are ahead of you, be like, where's mm. my coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Alison L, what do your lockdown coffee rituals look like? Um, I just bought an AeroPress that arrived today because I was like, I just need, need to try something Losing else. it. Yeah. 
But before that, I just had a, um, oh, I actually bought a gold, a Swiss gold. I've spent a lot of money on ordering coffee shit online because I'm not spending it on buying coffee. Bought a Swiss gold from the Supreme <laughs> website. So it's like yeah. a drip filter that you don't have to put a paper filter in, which is good. Mm-hmm. And I grind, I grind my own, my little grinder. Mm-hmm. And, You're going to uh, be like Rafael Nadal with one gigantic grinding up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But and it's fine, and I know that filter is like what the coffee aficionados like. But I just really miss a flat white. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people are Lo- saying that you're not on your own. I know. I know. No, I, I was just going to say I've had a number of people tell me they just want to go out and buy a flat white. Yeah. I miss Maybe cafes is, as well. This is what we need for people to understand how good baristas are at their job. Like you can get a beer in a can and a pour a glass of wine, but you yep. just can't mm. make a coffee. Like mm-hmm. uh, your local cafe cafe does for you. Oh, totally. Or ba- bake a loaf of bread or, you know, make a decent croissant. They're things that are very skilled and we're missing them dearly. Yeah. So what's your, your coffee, coffee routine? Well, my coffee routine is the same as it's been f- for a long, long time. I have a mocha master, uh, which is like a traditional, quite a traditional drip uh, coffee filter and i have a scoop and i don't use my scales and i can do it with my eyes closed in fact my children can do it it's so it's very simple and i make enough coffee for my wife and i to drink have a few cups each and that's my routine daily several times a day how many times a day uh, i probably have three three or four coffees a day that's about it, and I generally don't drink coffee after midday. I just feel like that's sort of coffee time is done. I know lots of people drink coffee in the afternoon. There's the times that I would, but generally I don't. <clears throat> One of my favourite memes of lockdown was a um, a cup of coffee handing a relay baton to a mm-hmm. glass of red wine. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I've worked. Although I, yep. I'm I'm happy to have a coffee at five o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, You're also you have coffee as soon as you yeah, open it as well. Goes to beer time. But if I have to work late I'll have a coffee at like four. Mm. If I've I need got... to sober up, I'll have a coffee. Mm, yeah, that's another that's sometimes an after dinner coffee does the trick. Yeah. The red wakes, wine returning the baton to the coffee cup. Oh totally. And Al We've discussed how the lockdown has sort of affected our personal lives. How was it for the business as, you know, you saw us go into suggested social distancing, strongly Mm -hmm. suggested social distancing, then that 48-hour period from the Prime Minister's announcement of Level 3 into Level 4, what what did that look like and feel like for um, a business that was suddenly going to lose uh, its revenue stream? Mm. Yeah, it was an interesting process. And I guess go, let, let's go back six or so weeks, six to eight weeks, where we had begun planning for this. With Feels a like such a long time ago. Who had been tasked with the job of, I guess, watching this making a plan, setting triggers, and uh, communicating that to the entire company. There's about 110 of us around Australia, New Zealand, Japan. And so we felt like we were reasonably prepared, but it accelerated so quickly, even in that last 48 hours. So in the last week leading up to that, it it felt sort of novel, people were washing their hands lots and making a joke about it. Um, you would pass people in the room and get, do the dance around them so that you had two metres. All of those things were happening but seemed quite trivial and then bang, the lockdown came and we all went home and realised, as you say, our revenue just got turned off. So at Supreme, wholesale selling coffee to, to independent cafes is about has traditionally been about 80% of our business and the other 20% comes from our other activities being our own cafes online and some FMCG sales. Yeah. And so we we basically tanked overnight. Uh, there was a 
window where our online store remained open. I don't know if some of you watched this, but there was a bit of chaos as it was turned on and turned off again and then turned on again and turned off again while we, I guess, figured out for ourselves, are we safe to trade? Are we breaking the law? Is it the law? Is it just a strong request? You know, all of those things that the industry went through. And essentially then we got a very stern word, which was, please do not sell direct to customers. So Where that, did that was come a really from? heartbreaking moment. I was in Wellington at the time and I got the call and said, hey, we're going to have to turn this thing off. And it was pretty brutal because you really were turning off livelihoods, not just a roasting plant, you know. Mm. So what was the the downstream consequences of that? Because, we, you know, I, I think about, the staff that I know behind the machines of places like Custom and mm -hmm. I know Sof, um, but obviously there's a lot of people who you don't directly employ who are affected by that decision. Oh, yeah, massive. I mean, we're a huge community and, you know, you could trace it all the way back to farms where coffee is grown. It's, it's going to have, and it is currently having, a huge knock-on effect where... We're all, we've all been sent home and there's a certain amount of uncertainty. The government has been fantastic, so we have been able to assure our staff at least uh, that there is a certain amount of income for the next period of time. Even if it's not what they were used to, it's in a crisis, so most people have been really understanding, some voluntarily taking more of a hit, uh, things like that. But uh, it, it is a massive amount of uncertainty for us as an industry where there's going to be piles of green coffee sitting around the world that's spoiling. Um, there are going to be amazing businesses that just won't seem to be, a, to be able to come out of this. Um, lots of people, as you say, who are not directly employed by Supreme but are friends of ours or suppliers or you know industry friends who it's really un there's so many unknowns and you sit in your little room we're all sitting in our rooms i can see you there i said to somebody this morning who asked me how i was doing i said i feel like i'm a part of a game where i'm steering this thing through a storm but I'm just doing it alone in a room. It's almost like a virtual situation where I'm getting numbers and I'm getting information and I'm talking to people and I'm doing these conversations. But I really don't know what's happening at the end of the street. I could be living in the Truman Show. <laughs> so are you guys going to get through it? Like if, if we are able to come out of lockdown next week and then, I mean, who knows what that will mean for if cafes will be able to reopen or not. But like, how how tough is it? Uh, for, for the industry, for Supreme, for hospitality? For Supreme particularly. I know for the industry it's bad, but how are you, I mean, if, are you going to have to mm. lay, off, lay off staff or is the wage subsidy going to kind of the, pull you through? The wage subsidy will buy us time to look at what parts of the business we can salvage and what parts of the business we need to remodel or part ways with. So, um, yes, it's a really good question. We will be a smaller company after this because of the fact that many hospitality sites will, will go under. Um, I've heard the number of 50% in New Zealand alone. I think I've, I've heard 50% of people are um, thinking about it and one, right. in, one in five will definitely um, no long, longer be with us. And I think mm. that the... Um, do you know what? This sounds like it's a um, an unkind thing to say, but a lot of the time I think that um, when you go to council and apply to run a hospitality business and they don't even ask you one question, you start a business <laughs> and you're running something that's pretty terrifying and it's pretty on the edge. And so in mm -hmm. a way I think that... Um, if I look back at our time at Bird, I mean, there are certainly times where if this happened, we wouldn't have lasted five minutes. And that's mm. because we yep. were trading so close to the line. And if you get yourself into a hole, it takes a long time to trade out of it. And so, yes. I don't know, I almost feel like um, for the people that don't make it through this, that could be the better option for them than trying to trade out of this. A hundred percent. 
Yep, I don't disagree. I think for many, I mean, the minister said really well the other day, if you went into this in your business was in a bit of a shambles, then you should expect to come out of it in a big shambles or not at all. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't Uh, change the broken hearts and the broken dreams. And the things that get me, you know, is that people's life savings just go up in smoke. And it's so awful because they had this romantic idea about operating a hospitality business. Um, But, yeah, Mm. I'm sure across the, the whole economy, people are having the same conversation we are. Oh, totally. And if you went into this and, and you were in pretty good shape, then you've probably got a good chance of treading water for this period of time, which is unknown. But with government help and any working capital you had tucked away, you, you probably have a chance of getting through it, even if you do look a little different on the other side. So for us, although we've lost a huge part of our revenue for a time, hmm. uh, online has exploded. Yeah, and, I love that. Know, That's happening to was, a lot of food, guys. Totally. So there's there's lots of us who have watched our online stores explode and we're super grateful and we've been overwhelmed with support and lovely messages from customers and fans and followers and all of mm. those people, even you guys who are drinking Supreme, thank you. It's been really amazing for the support and that's going to, I guess, make us cash neutral <laughs> So uh, for a little while. So that we're not going backwards and having to trade ourselves out of the hole that you talk about, Soph. Yeah. Um, but again, and then there's FMCG, which has also been really good. And this is, you know, we supply a, a probably 30 FMCG stores, supermarkets Brilliant. around New Zealand. And yeah. the decision to do that was an enormous one about 18 months ago and was polarizing at Supreme, where half of the company thought, this is going to destroy us. We're going to go to the supermarkets. It's going to be on sale at Pack and Save, and nobody's going to want to think to touch Supreme ever again. The other half of the business said, if people who love Supreme are at Pack and Save, why would we not put ourselves within their reach? And yes. so that was the big argument. Very clear who was right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was right. No, no, no. Uh, so we went there, and it's going to be another uh, really amazing bit of revenue that's going to help us get through this and will help us as a community be a part of rebuilding it in, into whatever it looks like next. And I think for me it also um, presents an opportunity, like you say, even if it's going back to zero, we cannot escape that there's an element of starting again. And isn't the average person probably about a month behind in their own lives anyway? So even if it's just been catching up, it's like something good has to come out of it and it's not going to be tomorrow. But I think that the trajectory in a way feels like an opportunity on a good day. Massive opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. I just can't help but think this is, I mean, it's, it's a couple of things. It's, also, it's a chance to do some stuff that you're always a bit terrified of doing to your business. Uh, but it's also a chance to rethink what you really want to be to look like at the at the end, mm. or to look at what success really is or means to your business. So, and that, to that's yourself, kind of where we're at, yeah, and to yourself. You know, everyone having all this family time. I think it's um, it's totally. got so many benefits, and it's got yep. so many challenges. But the thing about that is that we will emerge um, a bit clearer on what we're doing. And I think that makes decision making um, yeah. more efficient as well. Do you yeah. worry, though, about the effects that it's going to have on the cultural buy-in to cafes and restaurants? I read a story yesterday about um, how we probably won't go back to shaking hands in the way we used to after this um, pandemic? Are we going to still be squishing ourselves into cafes and restaurants and bars and clubs like we used to? And are cafes and restaurants viable if their capacity is cut by 50%? Uh, I guess, my. are you asking me? I'm asking you. <laughs> I'll let somebody else answer. I hate the thought of not being able to squish into cafes and bars and restaurants anymore. That's, yeah. that's all I have to say. I don't know if, where we might. Yeah, I guess I have to get used to it, but I think it's a depressing thought. I think we're social creatures and that we'll find, whether or not it's the same way, we'll find another way to get 
the feeling that we get from being together. And I th- I think that it'll be a short-term thing. So I think that by the time there's a vaccine for coronavirus, everyone can just go back to being how they were. But of course, in the short term, people's habits, like I found in that last week of work, it was so weird going to meetings and people Mm. weren't shaking hands. And this dude sat like five chairs away from me at one. I was like, (laughs) it makes you feel like a little bit leprosy. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there's such uncertainty and the more information and the more clarity, the Mm. fact that we won't, you know, by the time we're out of this and everyone can be in gatherings again, there won't be a risk to of community spread to you. And I think that potentially the older part, um, people in our community should consider protecting themselves more than they otherwise would for the longer mm. term. But yeah, I plan to resume my normal behaviour once we're told that we're in the clear. Maybe we all wash our hands a bit better and um, stay, yep. at, stay at home when we're a little bit sick. And that could actually be a really positive thing. Oh, totally. I think those two things would be would be great habits to take out of this. I think as a culture that meets in hospitality spaces, we will return to that because it's part of our culture. If there are there are cultures that just simply eat in hospitality spaces, and they might change some of their patterns. But for Kiwis, Australians, you know, a lot of us, this is part of how we socialize. You know, say say six hundred thousand people die every year of the flu. But you don't cross the street when you see someone blowing their nose into a tissue. So surely... Yeah, I mean, people like me that are almost the opposite (laughs) of germaphobes, I think I've almost been, like, arrogant about germs in the past. I just walk around presuming I won't get it. I've basically never had a sick day, and now when I think about it, I'm like, just, if you're not feeling well, you should probably stay home, not because of you, but coronavirus is so outrageously contagious that mm. it's such an interesting exercise in realising the responsibility you have when you're not well. Yeah. Yep, totally. But seeing the flu, um, the number of flu cases drop because of this lockdown as well is really interesting. And I also think ah. similarly shows that a lot of people should have been staying home. And the Easter road toll. <laughs> That yeah. is the virtual and probably STDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big time. Well, you yeah. don't say STD anymore. That's STI. That's STI. Thank you. Yeah, they well, must be well done. Alice, though, on, I think it was Alice who saw someone on Tinder. You know, of, it wasn't me, but it was. I haven't been on there, but it was Alex Casey, weirdly, <laughs> who posted that in Slack. I don't know what she's doing on Tinder, but yeah, that guy who was like. I don't know about you guys, but this lockdown, you know, I hate it. Who wants to meet me in Greyland Park? (laughs) He's sort of been turned on by lockdown and was looking for someone to burst the bubble with him. It's bad, bad, bad. It's like teenagers again. Yeah. Travel is going to be something that changes a lot, I think. I think we've just taken travel for granted and now we're going to, you know, just flitting around the world is not... Oh, so totally. maybe anymore. maybe we don't need totally. to all be flying around the world in circles. Exactly, at, I at think it's, yeah, and rushing, and maybe we need to support our domestic tourism a bit more. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that the interesting thing about um, on the food front is how much you miss the international spread of food that we eat regularly in New Zealand. Like I remember when I was in Ireland after about six weeks, I was desperate for curry, desperate for Vietnamese, like searching out Japanese and New Zealanders eat so internationally that um, it's been really interesting talking to people as they go, I would just kill for a curry right now or, you know, so I've been, I've been trying all those things at home. I've been, I made butter chicken last week. I'm making laksa tonight. It's a good time. Sophie, I want to know how you've um, managed to be replenished. Have your pantry replenished without going to the supermarket? Oh, I only went um, out of the house for the first time in lockdown yesterday. So three weeks. Out of the house. Oh, my God. Sorry, apart from walking. But Mm. my first time in the car, I was, like, nervous my car battery wasn't going to start. We have had a delivery. I did a Mount Cook salmon delivery. So we had a couple of meals with salmon, and then we smoked the other half and had a couple more meals with that. Um, And froze some. And then we've had the Clefton Farmer's Market um, uh, delivering. So curious croppers, like, huge box of, you know, five kilos of tomatoes, um, we did an initial shop when we came out here and um, 
we had I ordered one of those meat packs from the Neat Meat Boys. It's called Hyper Meat, um, yep, which, which was really good. We did a massive Batchwell kombucha order. I stocked up on Supreme Coffee before we left. We're actually, yeah, there's not there's not anything that we are wanting for um, that we haven't been able to pull off. So isn't that so cool though? Like, cool, and, yeah. and a great way to continue, I think. Um, mm. Love the supermarkets, and I love how important they've been to all our communities through this period. But the way that you can access um, the source through the internet, Sophie, is very, very cool. Mm. Oh, it's been, but it's also really challenge. Um, it's good because of the challenge on your own cooking as well. You know, it's yeah. making me really mindful of all the products that I'm consuming. And like, I got given this random cheese kit from my sister. Oh, um, I've got like, one of those. <laughs> Like two years ago, and I haven't used it. And then I'm making. Like drag it around. Yeah. And then when we ran out of all the other flowers, I was like, I've still got pasta flour. So now I'm making ravioli and I'm making my own ricotta to go with the bloody ravioli from the cheese kit. So, you know, and I, I like did a downloaded a piano playing app yesterday, and I haven't played since I did my like grade three exam when I was about. (laughs) 15 but um yeah it's interesting but the extra time and space in your brain i think is more the thing than time because you can fill up time but you know it's been awesome so alice has just jumped off to grab another beer so i thought it's the perfect time to do a plug for the spin-off members the media has never faced greater tumult so this is your chance to invest in the spin-off and help us survive COVID-19 and thrive on the other side. The media's never been more important, but we've never been in bigger difficulty. So please support us today. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz forward slash members. Question for Al, how much plunger or filter coffee should we be buying at a time because i know it's a it's a fresh product you know this goes off in the same way a tomato does absolutely um you're right that coffee is very much a fresh product like bread or tomatoes it is food it is starts green and like a split pea or a piece of rice i guess and goes off over time. It goes off over time. It does go off. It goes very bad. And uh, then it's roasted. And in the roasting process, oils, uh, you know, it's caramelized essentially and oils are released and those oils go rancid. You can see the evidence of that when you go to a cafe that does not have great cleaning practice and the hopper above their grinder is the beans are stuck to the hopper. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. You see it like at petrol station coffee machines yeah. or yeah. at Macca's and stuff. So that's the, the result of the coffee going off. So you should buy enough, for, I think, for a week. We say it can keep for four weeks because we know that not everybody is in the habit of shopping weekly, um, probably our parents' generation more than us. But So, yeah, I, I have a weekly delivery at home. Cafes get delivered, generally speaking, would get a weekly delivery maybe a second delivery for a top up and coffee is great from about three or four days of from the time it was roasted because it needs to settle down and degas and then it's good in the cafe we say for sort of up to 10 14 days from there is it degas before it's in the bag or is that why the bag's got the hole in it yes that's why the bag has the valves to let it degas because it starts degassing as soon as it's roasted and then it does that for sort of three or four days. And that's why sometimes if the valve malfunctions, you get a big crazy pillow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And once it's ground, you don't have much time, do you, before it starts to deteriorate? No, grinding it sort of pops the bubbles. And so the degassing happens very, very quickly. And so mm-hmm. it then goes stale because it has greater surface area and has more oxygen contacting that surface area and it, and it spoils quickly. So yeah. the, the killers of coffee are light and moisture and oxygen. And mm-hmm. so those three things will will speed up the deterioration process, which is why you want to keep it in a cool, dark place. But weekly is good, Sorry, Sorry, Monday. Light and oxygen. Light and oxygen are powerful things, eh? They'll bash anything up. Totally. Yeah. Hey, Al, what are 
what are you doing with your team while you're away from each other? Oh, well, I have a very small team, and but then there's obviously white, there's sort of many teams at Supreme, but I meet with my team very regularly. I mean, we're normally talking daily, as probably all of you are with your teams. So we do this. We have regular weekly catch-ups that, that are about specific things, and then we talk on the phone or chat or whatever for other things. My team are based in one here in Auckland, one's in Wellington, and one's in Christchurch. So we've we've kind of gotten used to working apart. Yeah, uh, and do you think they're looking forward to coming back to work? Don't know. Well, I it's think funny. it's going to be interesting to see what the momentum, um, you know, if we've lost momentum or if people feel refreshed and re-motivated to get back and serve yeah. people. Look, I think there are different levels, and it's a really good point hearing you talk, hearing lots of people and you as well talk about learning a new thing or doing this or making that it's like wow I haven't I've never worked harder in these last few weeks mm. I I feel like I'm living above the shop I come in here and I work but I still go and have lunch with my family then I come back and I work and I work till six maybe you know whatever then I go back inside and stop working and so it's this really interesting um dynamic other people in the business they don't have anything to do they're struggling for stuff to do so they are making things and doing learning new things or whatever and it's kind of this challenge where you look at them and they look at me and it's like give me l give me something to do and i say well i don't know what you can do go and find the, something to do on yourself. the edge of yeah on the edge of your bed i think hey, some I've people got a good one yeah. Um, we, we've got the whole Fatima's team doing Yale University made their um, most popular paper ever. It's called The Science of Wellbeing. It's kind of about, um, it's a psychology thing about happiness. Yeah. And um, I've got the whole Fatima's team doing that and they seem to be enjoying it. Right. And th so that's a daily, like a daily thing? Um, it's, it's the lessons are about, I think, about two hours long and it's um, the whole course is only 18 hours of contact. Right. Um, but, yeah, in hospitality, it's like we're paying these guys to sit around. If there's nothing we can find for you to do that's going to better our businesses, then, I mean, I looked up charities to see if that we could sort of mm. repatriate our team to them. Um, yeah. There's not heaps that you can do from a computer for lots of the charities that are really busy at the moment. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's, been, that's been quite a good one. I mean, I think it's like forcing them to better themselves and – um, presumably we'll get some benefit from that as well. Yeah. Well, I know that those that don't have, like, tangible work to do through this are meeting regularly and are finding other things to do and they're actually jumping in and supporting some other people who are overwhelmed with work. There is a, yeah. core of, a very small crew of people at Supreme who have an enormous workload as we wade through, I guess, the process and the paperwork of changing the shape of the business and the finance team are working like around the clock to try and spread what little money we have across, you know, this, this yeah. area. So I think new business I, unit. To, yeah, totally. And your question, Simon, will people enjoy returning to work? Some will. And I think some will say, actually, I'll stay at home. I've mm. been more productive here. I've had less distractions at the water cooler or people leaning in my doorway. Um, I feel like I'm really focused and working with purpose at home, so let me do this. And I would say, sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to find some sort of weird middle ground. Um, there's been definite benefits to working from home and definite uh, detriments as well. For some reason, at, when I'm under lockdown, you know, you're at home all the time, but it'll be 10 p.m. at night and I'll discover I haven't showered or somehow... <laughs> Somehow Sophie still manages to be late and disorganized to a, a meeting that she's had. She has, you know, usually Sophie's out going to 16 other meetings through the morning. Yeah. And, you know, has to pull up into the driveway of Kind and get one of the spin-off staff to valet her car so she can rush into the podcast. But, uh, you know, still quarter past the hour when she was meant to no. manage to be late. I had technical difficulties today. Thank you, Simon. I've been performing <laughs> impeccably on my um, timeliness over this period of time. 
But, you know, I actually was doing a, um, a, a little food photo shoot for Fatima's at home before this. So it turns out you can get all sorts of things done at home. Yeah, totally. I've been, yeah, I've been working harder than I've ever worked at the spin-off in the last few weeks, that's for sure. Which yeah. I think a lot of, it seems like either, yeah, you're in two camps, you've either got nothing to do in, you know, life, of what, no matter what your job, or you're suddenly, like, fucking rushed off your feet. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't like, I'm finding it quite isolating being isolated you know i really wish i could be in the office especially working on a big news story you know Mm -hmm. it's nice having your team around you and you can you know and input and like throwing ideas around Yeah. yeah yeah i think there are lots of valuable things that we we should go back to and get together over and then there are lots of parts of our work that are best just sitting alone and typing or yeah totally you know alice did you not think about going to jump into one of your siblings bubbles yes i've thought about it (laughs) <laughs> but I've decided that because I have so much work to do, I'm better off here with my... And I've got a dog now, which... Do you? Awesome. Did you not know? Don't you follow me on Instagram? It's all I post about. I must. Don't you always post honest. other people's dogs? We're going to be entirely honest. Alice did join a bubble and then jumped out again. Uh, I told you not to reveal that. What bubble did you join? I joined my sister's bubble. At the beginning? Yeah, but now I've come back home because I, uh, you know, just got lots just, of kids. Just lots of kids. Missed uh, my missed my she quiet. Pulled that, pull that eject, um, emergency eject button. Honestly, but, it's so interesting because I have obviously a new baby, but she's four months old, and there's only one of her, which means she sleeps quite a lot. And I cannot get my head around these people that are trapped inside with like. Mm, multiple children under five like you how would you think of enough activities in the day you'd just be like just sit down and watch tv i don't care (laughs) (laughs) it's like living in a daycare center do you have children now i have three children but his kids are growing up yeah they're they're a bit older so mia's 14 johnny's 12 and edie is eight so they are keeping themselves pretty well amused we also are they doing well they're doing, yeah, they're actually doing really well. Um, so Mia has gone back to school and uh, Edie, J- Johnny has another week off. But so Mia's gone back to school, lives in, back to her computer and is attending class. And Johnny had been attending class as well, but is now on holiday. And my wife is a primary school teacher, so she she's also back at school, ah. sit, sitting at the dining table, just through there somewhere. And so everybody's actually managing really well. Yes, I've heard a few shouts and interesting words coming from the (laughs) next rooms, but generally they get on great. Um, They've got routine. They do lots of walking and bike riding. We can walk to a beach, so we're super lucky. uh, So that's been what what we sort of spend our time doing together. That's awesome. And I think... um... This is kind of a funny revelation to me, but because you're in this bubble with the same group of people, I felt as though you had to hang out with the people all the time. And (laughs) yesterday I went for like my first solo walk and just listened to a podcast. And it just reminded me so much of my old life. I was like, we need to split up and do our own activities. Oh, totally. I've been walking daily, sometimes, you know, for an hour and a half, and the people you bump into is is so good. I'm getting my sort of um, extrovert social top-ups by just bumping into friends and neighbours around the neighbourhoods. Yeah, and that's one of the things, actually. Um, I'm interested to hear Alice say that she's um, struggling with it a bit because I would have expected me, myself, to struggle with the um, lack of socializing i'm like your absolute type a extrovert and i get my energy from other people and so i was like what am i gonna do there's just gonna be no energy every anywhere but um but yeah, see I'm... here's my theory we talked about this earlier hey Here you we go. did yeah but yeah so al thinks that sorry introverts... so if i cut you off <laughs> not at all go that... so what's your theory that introverts struggle more with this and extroverts are okay with it which would fit me because i guess i'm an introvert you are yeah that's so interesting isn't it yeah yeah so sophie were you about to say you're an extrovert and you was terrified of this but now you're actually finding it quite energizing ah i absolutely love it and are you i'm so surprised yeah you're surprised by it 
And are you feeling liberated by it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It feels to me as though it's what the doctor ordered and I never would have chosen it. Interesting. Beautiful response, Soph. That was really <laughs> cool to hear. That's great. Uh, that was a joke Sophie cut out online everyone was having a, having a gag. She's... But I felt the same way. What I've really loved is this opportunity to invest in my brand new boys. I've got um, 15-week-old twin boys. Oh, wow. And awesome. not feel any pressure to have visitors, not mm-hmm. feel any pressure to take them to the pub or, you know, show them off. Um, I think there's a lot of... Uh, pressure on new parents especially via social media to um not just raise children but to parade them around and take them places and and that can be really hectic especially if there's two of them um and i've had three weeks to unconditionally uh invest in their development and be around them a lot more like i'm being a part of each feed now. Uh, when you say invest in their development, is there yeah. thing, is there things I should be doing? <laughs> well, I'm teaching them how to. I'm teaching them how to count to five. They're learning all their um, body parts and Tadeo Mori. <laughs> uh, we're doing lots of neck strengthening and and things right. like that. Okay. Cool. So they're real life humans. They respond to and learn words, and there's lots. There's lots you can do now, so they learn words. I think that maybe <laughs> you're a bit blinded by your paternal love for your twins, Simon. No, no, I absolutely. Their cognitive development starts now. Treat them like adults. They, they. I wrap Slinky Malinky to them. Slinky oh Malinky God. was blacker than black. The stocking and looking adventurous cat. With bright yellow eyes and a wobbling whale and the kink at the end of his very long tail. Yeah, oh my nice. God, Simon, that was wonderful. Lucky was boys. Awesome. I actually I'm thought actually... about that, that I'm really happy for you and Millie having this time at home with your boys. I imagine that, um, I mean, you're only they're three, four weeks younger than Odette, I think, but we have had um, obviously half as much of the activity and overwhelm and change that you have because you've got two of them so I thought actually this will be a really nice time for you to slow down and you and Millie to enjoy like having dinner together and you know I think the boys have really relished having me around Millie less so I (laughs) I love how much you're reading into what the boys their their vocabulary and their thoughts they um they've got their own podcast so yeah (laughs) That's you know that that, that was part of one. their that was part of their um coping mechanism like a million other people they started a podcast. <laughs> what, uh, what, other, what, have you, what have your food what have your food <laughs> coping mechanisms been? I um I joined the focaccia squad. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah. I've just been eating a lot. Mm. Sourdough. Oh I'm eating. I'm I'm a basic bitch. I've been making sourdough. So have I, but in my defence, I've always made well, you know, made, been making sourdough for years, so I haven't just jumped on the bandwagon. So but, what are the what are the categories? I've seen there's definitely a focaccia gang. Yep. There's a sourdough gang. There's a banana bread gang. Mm. Ginger loaf uh, is another one. I've seen. Was it an Annabelle Langbine recipe? It looked really good floating oh, around the internet. Those oh, cinnamon a- scrolls have been popping off the last few days. Someone was doing a loaf. Was it Annabelle Langmine? It was someone. Maybe it was Chelsea Winter that was yeast that did not require yeah. yeast. It's her lockdown that a lockdown loaf. Lockdown loaf, that's it. Oh, and yeah. do, do you guys have access to flour? Yes. I've never seen so many yes. hot cross buns at home, and I made them as well, but you sort of realise why people don't usually bother because it's such a faff, isn't it? I made sourdough ones, and it was wasn't that bad because you don't have to knead so but they weren't that good like they were fine but mine yeah. was sourdough as well but um to be, to be honest they had nothing on the wild wheat ones or the daily bread yeah. ones I've been doing because I live by myself apart from Stanley my dog I've been but I've been wanting to cook so I've been doing stuff that will last like I made sauerkraut the other day mm. and I made harissa the other day a lot of bread 
It's Body. crazy the eating though. Like I have my day starts with a coffee and a pre-breakfast, which at the moment is a ginger nut. And then I have then I have a breakfast. And then I have like a breakfast dessert, probably some Whitaker's chocolate. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have a morning tea. And then I'll have a after morning tea, which is usually something or a pre-lunch. Today was mince on toast. And then I'll have like the spag bowl or the tagliatelle al ragu di Bologna left over from last night. Of course. Yum. Now I'm having a whiskey during a podcast and wondering, you know, can I sneak out to get a little, another bit of toast? Probably I'd have it with um, the very delicious Coffee Supreme and Maple uh, oh, Peanut yeah. Butter by Fix cool, and Fall. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good one. It's a good one. And then I'll have a pre-dinner. And then I'll have dinner, and then I'll have dessert. And I've never had dessert so regularly as as, as in lockdown. Mm. What so are a you lot having? Of calories. Yeah, what's for dessert? Uh, at the moment, I've got the Little Island passion fruit coconut ice cream in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's very good. Man, we've been, we've been doing things. You guys are I think we're all kind of. Food. We're all kind of clinging to routine in a way. And so you, you make your own rituals, don't you? Like I'm not a morning tea or an afternoon tea eater normally, but like with my coffee after my little Nike training club workout, it's now what I do every day at 11 o'clock, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys have set all, I mean, I guess this is a food podcast, eh? so that sort of explains it. But man, I feel like I've fallen behind. I feel like you missed a category, Sai. You missed the category of um, also still just working. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think you're, <laughs> you're just working really hard now. I think that's like you're making hay while the sun is not shining and that's what you need to be doing right now. <laughs> making so. hay while the sun's not shining, yes. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. cutting the grass. I don't think I'm making hay yet. But yeah, um, yeah. yes, I know what you're saying. I, I haven't had time to do that and I also have maybe sort of old school work ethic where I just don't. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that, even though I've taken a decent pay cut. You know, I could probably justify it, but I'm just got so much in front of me. But yeah. I'll tell you something that's changed that's been really amazing. Um, we get HelloFresh delivered, and in the lockdown, we thought, ah, oh, let's just go full Monty. So we used to get like three, I think, and now we get maybe four or five. I don't know. Five meals, five people. Something like that. No, yes. Five meals, five people. Maybe that's the one. I'm not great with detail. But my 12-year-old, who's always been quite drawn Ah, to the kitchen, is cooking every night. So all I do now is I just oversee him. He pops in here at about five and goes, what do you reckon, Dad? Should we do the Japanese poke bowl? I'm like, (laughs) off he goes. That was a thumbs up. You can't hear it, but I was giving a thumbs up. And then I come out and he's kind of prepping and chopping and doing all of this. And he's really good. And he's starting to tweak the recipe and he's added a bit of this and he's swapped that for that or he's gone out, you know. So that's been one of the greatest things about lockdown is that my 12-year-old son has discovered cooking regularly, not just as a novel thing. Isn't that cool? Because, you know, you read things. There's some things that... I think have been quite moving throughout this time, like yep. the um, where the British people are clapping every evening at seven o'clock yeah. for essential workers. I thought yep, that was. Cool. I watched a video of that, and then the New York Fire Department standing outside the hospital giving the real heroes of New York a clap. I was like, Bruh! but one of the things is, mm-hmm. you know, we are living through history, and we'll remember this. And your son will remember totally. that he learnt to cook during the coronavirus lockdown. I think it's making memories. Oh. Totally. Yeah. I learned to cook during isolation in 2020. You know, that's it's a good point. Yeah. You can tell you can tell him, Al, and yeah. this was how my mum got me into cooking, <laughs> that it's going to really help him meet a romantic partner in the future. Oh, okay. My mum told me that if I wanted to meet girls, the best way to do it was to be a good at cooking. Right. Ooh, so that's how, that's how I started chopping up carrots and onions and shit in the kitchen as a 12-year-old. <laughs> And you know, it it didn't really work to be honest. But it you did, did okay me. with the ladies until you met Millie. Yeah, you it it like really did help me lock down my <laughs> wife, though. She loved my cooking. Yeah, yeah, you, you're a good cook. It's awesome. 
Well, I um, give it to my mum too because when we were growing up, at this, when I was the same age as Johnny, we had we were given a night each, and she would say to us, "You tell me what you want to cook, and I'll get everything together, and then help you after school to cook that meal." And so Thursday night was my night for cooking from maybe thirteen something until love that until way you know I left home about eighteen. But for years, Thursday night was my night, and I learned to cook all these meals because I'd say I want to do this, and she'd help me do it. So props to mum for that one, and it's so nice to see Johnny doing it now. Cool. I think a lot of people will be learning to cook during this lockdown because there must be so many people who just live on takeaways usually who will <laughs> not know what to do with themselves. Yes, I heard somewhere that people are having to tolerate their partners or their housemates' food, you know, and yeah. cooking their cooking skills. Must be tough out there for some. It must be. And yesterday when I was at the supermarket, I noticed that um, the empty shelves were often the ready-made meals, the things that you just mix uh, or heat. Like the, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, like in the Asian food aisle, I was like looking for black vinegar and looking for all these ingredients. But the shelves all around me that were empty were just like laksa in a bowl or tom yum in a carton, you know? It was like everyone's just going... People are giving just, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either that, yeah, they could just be giving up and they're fucking sick of it now. Yeah. Or, um, you know, these people don't know how to cook. And so yeah. what are they supposed to do? Got to get food somehow. And yeah. At the end of our road is um, Countdown and a McDonald's, sort of almost on opposite corners. And I reckon as soon as lockdown lifts, the queue will shift from Countdown to McDonald's. Definitely. Yeah, the, the McDonald's queue, I drove past it on the way um, out here on um, the last the day. The last night, yeah. Yeah, was the, like, there was traffic <laughs> from the drive-thru. I couldn't, I was like, wow. I didn't realise. Really? It was really I, crazy how many people went for a final Macca's run. I know, the last yeah. supper. <laughs> I, did K, I did KFC. I went and got a whole bunch of K-Fry, enough to have three days' worth in the fridge. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. I, I never go to KFC, and I was just like, that was my panic buy. Was like a twenty-four pack of um, chicken. <laughs> chicken. Dude, I got. Great. I still think your fifteen hundred dollar uh, coffee machine takes a cake. So no, I got up. You, did, you, you didn't hear the ca- the um. What's it called? The punchline. I got it for fifty percent off, Simon. No, fifty percent off. I just had to hoon to Queen Street and like basically accost a salesperson there, but we're yeah. good. But you made up for it in parking. Yeah, exactly. So we're coming up on the golden hour, and we don't like to go too far over that. I wanted to get uh, some final tips from the team for lockdown cooking using, you know, if, if you get stuck and you don't want to go and brave the crowds at the supermarket, what's something that you can do with the pantry leftovers? I've been going to the frozen peas in a big way. And making um, fro- uh, making pea pasta, I just parboil the peas, chuck them in the blender with a little bit of sweet and a little bit of sour, whatever you've got around, maybe some mustard and some lemon juice or some white wine vinegar and some cheese. Blend it all up, chuck it on some pasta with a little bit of the pasta water, and it is so delicious. That and leave great. some of the peas. Leave some of the peas out whole so you get two Very different good tips. Always leave about a quarter of the peas whole and then dump them on top at the end. And what sort of pasta? I go something thick because it's quite a heavy sauce and you've yep. got um, big peas to stick to it as well. So okay. probably pappadale. Okay. Nice. I would just on that note like to shout out another isolation food trend, which is that bloody email recipe exchange. Has anyone else oh, been getting lots of those? I oh, got yeah. done with that. I got yeah. that. So okay. you sent it to me, yet. and no. I didn't forward it on. I'm sorry, I will. So normally you wouldn't pay attention to those things, right, because you don't have time. But I did. I thought, I, I replied with my 10-minute flatbreads to all the people that I was supposed to send it to, and then I um, waited for ages, and I was like, this sucks. I'm not getting anything back. And then all of a sudden, this week, so two weeks later, I started getting recipes, and I made the most delicious broccoli pasta yesterday that was, like, 
kind of like what Simon just said, basically just pasta and broccoli with a bit of chili and anchovy. Oh, and that's all it you was, need, man. It was unbelievable. So, yeah. and that was from Tess, who Ben from Almighty sent it to his sister, and it's all come around, so I'm stoked. Wow. Beautiful. Pasta's like such a go-to, and I can see why pasta was reached for in the supermarkets, uh, mm. although it has baffled me that people have bought pasta and toilet paper because I've never seen those two things working together. No. <laughs> uh, Interesting. But um, pa- I would do pasta and just garlic, lots of garlic, thinly sliced, fried in tons of olive oil, and if you've got anything else kicking around in the back of the fridge, you know, that slides all the way to the back and gets a bit frosty, it's usually capers or some old olives. Throw those in, and that's about it. Just oil, pasta, garlic. Maybe some yeah. parsley from the garden. Got some nice herbs, so I'm always throwing those in. Th- those Delicious. are my kind of go-tos. Beautiful. Alice, are you going to say a pasta too? Well, I was going to because I do eat. <laughs> I do eat a shitload of pasta, even at the best of times. I know, and you're. So, I love pasta, so I always um, like listening to your pasta recipe. Yeah, on a similar theme, you could do, you know, couscous. One of those yep. pantry staples that you've got, and whatever veggies you've got, I guess. And if you've got tahini, that lasts forever in your fridge, and harissa. Mm-hmm. Lemon juice. I've run out of lemons a couple of times during this lockdown, though, which is quite grim. But preserved lemons, if you've got them, give you a lemony kick. You don't need to go to the supermarket. Delicious. I love preserved lemon. Yeah. Got lemons in the neighbourhood, though. I know where all the fruit, yeah. fruit is in the neighbourhood. Just, just steal it. Steal it. Go on one yeah, of your, your government-approved walks. Yeah. Get a lemon. Totally. I think some of the things um, that you can also do is create... I read something this morning that said, think of every meal in pairs. So, like, if you're making curry, make extra rice so that you can make fried rice tomorrow. Or if you're mm. making caramelised onions, then put them in a pizza tonight, but put them on a piece of sourdough tomorrow. Or, you know, like, just think about doing things in twos. That's exactly how, the like, the pre-lunch thing works. So you make dinner, and then the leftovers you use in a little bit of a remixed way... For something before you have lunch? Cold and straight from Love the Tupperware, it. or do you reheat it and put it on a plate? Depends. Somewhere. Simon likes cold pizza and cold pasta I, and stuff. Everything cold. I love cold. I used to like cold pizza, and then I discovered frying pizza with extra cheese upside down. Ooh, oh, yeah. 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 That like changed that. my um, pizza leftover game forever. A friend and I have for years had an idea that because food tastes so much better the second day, what if we opened a restaurant called Leftovers and you just served nothing cooked today? That's that would genius. Be, I love that it. That would be the strap line. I, I have to give that to Johnny Calder, who I used to work with. Oh, and, I know Johnny. And Alice is sitting, her background is good one, who, credit to Johnny Calder, that was his idea, Leftovers, nothing cooked fresh today. I like that. Mm, yeah, go Johnny, do it's it. genius. Simon, what's your what's your lockdown dish? Already told you, girl, pea pasta. Pea oh pasta. yeah, true. You started. But, but speaking of leftovers, so I want to give a special shout out to Richard Duff. I worked with Richard Duff at Chibo, and uh, he would eat clients' leftovers <laughs> as long <laughs> as long as there was more than fifty percent left. Fair. So he would he would literally take a half eaten piece of steak oh. and put it to the side and uh, grab that later. That's a massive temptation for staff working in a hospital, though, eh? Especially I feel like us. you would do that, Simon, would you not? No, we had tricks like uh, as you collected the fries from the past, you'd bump them and five would fall out. <laughs> and Good idea. You'd, you'd grab those. Yeah. Um, I think I'd, if I remember correctly, I'd do things like eat leftover side dishes because mm-hmm. they'd been served out with a... A spoon and a fork. So I remember you know, some when... asparagus and pecorino. I'd always oh, yeah. remember eating that. You know Fair. when you'd like when we'd go on clear plates at the back of Chibo and there was that little shelf above the KP station. That's where all the side dishes always were. Oh. When Richard left the restaurant as part of his leaving party, we collected all the leftovers for that night behind his back in a big serving dish, and then we garnished the big leftover <laughs> meal with his other. Uh, 
eating problem was he would eat all the mints and the marshmallows from the coffee station. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we did a big final garnish of this leftover restaurant food with mints and marshmallows. Beautiful. Uh, it was cheap catering. Yeah. He, he ate it all. Good <laughs> it's awesome. Well, it was awesome. really nice to see you all. And Al, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us. Uh, to all the listeners out there, support local businesses, especially local hospitality ones that are yes. doing a really wonderful job of pivoting and still finding ways to bring you uh, their amazing product. And as we come out of lockdown, be like Sophie, wash your hands well, but get back out there and go to cafes, restaurants and bars. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you all again in real life. Yep. Thank Best you. Guys. It was really nice Thanks to see everyone. you all. And yeah. Al, um, always a pleasure. Best of luck for the next while. Yeah, thank you. It was lovely to catch up with all of you. And Super. thanks to, T- for, to Tina as well for recording in isolation. And she was yeah. telling, me, her. telling me to stop clicking my pen. Yeah. It's no mean <laughs> feat, and I'm sorry for the holdup at the start, team. Well done, everyone. Well done, everyone. Thanks for joining us, Al. Cool. Bye. 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 Kia ora e te iwi, Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.